0: You can now download the latest episode of the Candid Frame directly to your smartphone or tablet using the Candid Frame app. Available for Apple iOS, Android, and Windows 8, you can automatically receive and listen to the latest episode minutes after it's released. Mark and download your favorites or send your comments and suggestions directly to me via the app. Download it today using your favorite App Store or click on the links in the show notes. Found at the Candid Frame website. This is EBariNX and welcome to another episode of the Candid Frame. Well, January was a busy month. I've already conducted about uh, six interviews that you can look forward to in the coming weeks. While I continue to work on scoring interviews with photographers on my short list, I am discovering some new faces and some new images that I'm really excited to share with you. I know you're going to enjoy the shows uh, as they come to you each week. But I'm also having a great time looking at the photographs of the Candor Frame listeners like you who are contributing images to our group on Flickr. Every Thursday I'm using some of these great images to discuss different topics about photography. Check them out and if you like what you see, please subscribe to the channel. As a photographer, I have a strong affinity for portraiture. There is just something special about great photographs of people that really resonate with me. I especially enjoy a photographer who is working on a personal project, where the portraits are unified by a specific idea or concept. Today's guest is creating just such a series that reflects her own experience as a British expatriate living and working in the United States. Dawn Bowery has been working as a successful uh, editorial and fine art photographer in Los Angeles, and she has recently turned her lens on other British transplants who have made Los Angeles their home. Our conversation, I think, will provide some great insight into how to launch a personal project that revolves around portraiture, as well as how to make sure that those images have a life beyond the cameras or the computer screen. So enjoy our conversation with Dawn Bowery. Don, welcome to The Candid Frame. I was really pleased to, to discover you, your work, and your, and your project. And I'm really looking forward to having the chance to talk to you for a bit. So th- thank you for coming.
1: Thank you for having me. It's a huge honor, really. I'm, I'm
0: thrilled. You started your career as a, as a visual artist in, in motion pictures. And one of the first things I was wondering about was... Is this sort of a second career for you, or was photography always something that you had uh, a passion and an interest in?
1: Yes, I have always had an interest in making images and always had a camera. Um, Not the kind of professional camera I have now, but uh, yeah, I've always been um, having a a camera and trying to document what's going on. But yeah, career-wise, I was for many years a visual effects artist on uh, movies and commercials, some of the time in london some of the time in santa barbara and then los angeles and then more recently i suppose in london uh, working for sky television and i i was you know always taking photographs taking time out as much as i could i had a lot of holiday time and uh i was finding that i wasn't really creatively fulfilled in my job as much as i wanted to be and i go on these photography trips. The first one was to Cuba. Then I went to Morocco and China and Arizona photographing Antelope Canyon. And I just adored it. That was um, mainly street photography. Um, And from there, I had exhibitions. I got my work into the Royal Academy of Arts, which was a huge honor. Um, It's kind of similar to the Metropolitan Museum in New York. It's that kind of place and so I started selling a lot of my fine art prints, and that was that was really what pushed me into taking up photography as a profession and doing it full-time.
0: Well, a lot of your, your images on your site are, are, are portraiture, and a good number of them are, are, are lit, but they're really beautifully lit. And unlike a lot of other photography I see, it doesn't call attention to the fact that they're being lit. And where did you... Learn this aspect of lighting because I think that that's one of the more challenging things for a photographer to learn, especially when they're self-taught.
1: Well, firstly, thank you. That's um, that's a huge compliment. I'm really pleased. Yes, yeah, so I am self-taught. I I've learned a lot uh, from Creative Live actually, um, watching a lot of those courses. And there was one in particular with Zach Arias where he was showing how to use, really using off-camera flash and using a, a modifier to get a much better quality of light. So uh, a big thank you to him. I learned so much. And really just just by getting out and doing it, um, I was using a product called the Sabre Strip, which is so portable. It's like a big poster tube that you put your, uh, your flash into the end of and then the, it's just very controllable, lightweight, but you need to have someone to hold it for you. So that's what I started to use on a lot of my shoots for the California Dreaming book project that I've been working on. I also have been using um, a softbox, the Joe McNally softbox. So between the two, I've I've kept my kit really light, really transportable, because it's usually, it's either just me and the softbox or... It's me and a uh, someone that can give me a hand with the saber strip, so that's how I've done it and um yeah, I've really pleased with the results it's It takes my work to a whole other level using that light you
0: know it's it's quite a leap from doing you know travel and street photography to working one on one with with subjects and looking at your images, it seems like you build a real lovely rapport with people. none of the poses seem forced or look like they're they're posed they come off as very natural and and that they're really in engaged in 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 the moment is that largely attributable to just your personality and how you are with people or was it a skill that you found that you had to learn as much as you had to learn the technical stuff about photography
1: really good question um i think it's just me i i love working with people and um, that's why photography is so so wonderful I, I love the one-on-one relationship that you get. And that's why I don't really like to have too many people around. And I like to get to know them. And I'm chatting to them the whole time. I'm always really curious. So, yeah, I, I, try, to, I try to not um, have them pose too much. Or I'm also trying to, to get them between when they think I'm taking the photograph. So I'll, I'll be saying I'm testing the light, which I kind of am but also it's it's getting those magical moments between what they think the shots are going to be. Uh, a good example of that is uh, a shoot I did with the boxer, Audley Harrison, and we were at the gym. He was training. Um, he just had a training session, and he was only going to give me a tiny amount of time for the shoot, and uh, he just naturally went into um, this kind of boxer poses the obvious poses I didn't want any of that so the the shot that I ended up with was him just looking more vulnerable I felt like his true personality was coming through rather than the boxer personality with you know flexing his muscles and that kind of thing and again that was that was just just trying to get him to to relax and and uh, I probably said that I was just doing a test shoot, so he wasn't—he wasn't really giving me any of the boxer ego, and I got the real orderly.
0: You know, the, the, you know that's such an important thing because I know I've gone through it where I'm so nervous about making a photograph of someone, and they give me what they think is going to make a good photograph, which is certainly not what I want. And then, you know, sometimes it seems like are we don't want to. Be too demanding of our subjects sometimes, because we we think that you know we're taking up their time, yeah, but I think it's really important to really press it and really insist on getting what you need in order to make the best photograph of them because you really have to take control of the shoot is is what it comes down to that's
1: so true, yeah, because at the end of the day they want a great photograph too, um so i I do I push it as far as I can, I mean, I will shoot until there's there's no light left, and um assistants that I have with me are always astonished like really I would have I would have stopped ages ago but when you're kind of in that groove and in the moment um and feeling like you're in the zone just I just keep on going I I also find that when I'm taking portraits sometimes uh the subject they're really nervous and you know they say that they're not good in front of the camera and you know they say they are they are nervous and I reassure them and we we just have a chat and before long they've really forgotten what they said they've forgotten that there's a camera there and and they're just loving it and wanting the shoot to go on and on and try new things so yeah i mean i i, I guess that's that's a very it's a very important um skill to have and i think that is pretty much the personality that you have i don't know how that how that can be yeah. learned i guess it can be improved but um I just love working with people. Biggest compliment is when you know they say that they've had a great time, enjoyed the shoot, and they see the photographs and are over the moon and say, "These are the best photographs I've ever had." So that's what makes it so worthwhile to me. It's the best thing in the world.
0: Yeah, that's very that's very satisfying.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: You mentioned earlier that you had gotten to a point in your visual effects career that you felt less than satisfied in terms of how you were expressing your creativity, but as a photographer, have you found that any of the sort of skills or practices that you, that you use for that kind of work has helped you as a, as a photographer?
1: Yeah, hugely, hugely. I, I spend a lot of time in post, which is, you know, I, what I did um, in visual effects. It was all about, it was all post production. So in photography, Yes, the shoot's hugely important, and I get everything I can get in camera, but I find it's equally important how you process that image afterwards. So particularly in the um, colour treatment of images, I love that. I absolutely adore working on the computer and getting the image to look as great as it possibly could. Also, when I need to make a few adjustments, like... The sky isn't working, for example. And for me, it's really easy to find another sky from another shot and put that in. Or, you know, on the shot that you've probably seen as a balancing acrobats, the Atherton Twins from Cirque du Soleil. Yeah. while they're balancing on a rock um, on one another, I quickly changed position and moved around and changed the composition. But there was all the lunch stuff in the background and yoga mats and things, but I knew that that wouldn't be a problem, removing it later. But yeah, things like that, that don't phase me at all. I kind of enjoy it, actually. So the work that comes later, I know what I have to shoot because I know how I, how I can deal with it later. I know what's going to work. And without the visual effects uh, training and experience, that would be a lot more difficult.
0: As you were transitioning from one gig to, to a photographic career, what do you think helped, really helped you to be able to, to succeed at it? Because there's no shortage of people who are photographers or who aspire to be photographers in this town. Yeah. You know. uh, what do you believe helped you to be able to make that transition, particularly with, when it comes to the people that you photographed and the people that ended up being your clients? Were you someone who was naturally always networking with people and always connecting with people? Because it seems like that is really part of your success. Let me know if I'm on point with that.
1: No, you're 100%. 100% right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. In this town, I don't know if it's more in LA than anywhere else, but uh, yeah, the networking is hugely important. So through well, through joining the Brits in LA uh, group and having these breakfasts on a Tuesday Um, and then also rejoining BAFTA, the the LA uh, part of BAFTA, I've met so many people. And as the book has progressed, I've found that uh, a lot of those people have introduced me to other clients, other potential clients. And that's really how it's happened. For example, a huge thank you to one of the people in in the book, um, Steve Roberts, and he He mentioned to me, well, his wife is head of Disney Toon here in in L.A., and that they they were looking for someone to do headshots for their staff and for their executives, and he suggested that I, you know, interview for that. And his wife said, looking at the photograph I took of him, that if I could take a great picture of him, I could take take a great picture of anybody, (laughs) (laughs) which made me giggle. So, you know, I interviewed there, and began taking headshots of of the executives there, and that was a lot of fun and they loved it and and that progressed on to being asked to shoot rap parties for them, so when they finish their movie they have a big event and and that's wonderful. I really enjoy doing that also they asked me to teach a photography class there, so they have it's an amazing company to work for because they have all these uh, wonderful lunchtime classes, and so that's why they they thought, well, maybe people would like photography. So I came up with an eight-week class. It was about an hour and a half, two hours each time, once a week, and so much fun. And I I just taught them how to get onto manual, just understanding depth of field, concentrating on on you know seeing things differently, seeing the world differently, noticing um, how to shoot and what to shoot, and then looking at portraiture and then adding in lighting. Through that, I meet a lot of people. So it's kind of just been um, a natural process, really. Through one person, I meet another, and, and they then act as ambassadors almost for me, which is you know absolutely wonderful. So I find that people contact me because they are friends with someone who's in the book or friends with someone who's friends with someone in the book. That's really how how it's worked. But for example, today, I spent this morning at the Invisible Studio, which, uh, which is where Martin Jarvis was recording um, a play, Ring for Jeeves, for BBC Radio 4. And he asked me to just document it, photograph the people that were doing the reading. So people like Rufus Sewell and Joanne Whaley and it was also Glenn um, Headley, um, who I remember from uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels that I watched over Christmas. So a huge privilege to be there while they're there. Uh, reading through this wonderful wonderful uh, piece of writing uh, as I say called Ring for Jeeves so that came up because Martin is in the book and you know he's commissioned me to do headshots for him it's that kind of I guess an organic way of, of meeting people you know becoming friends with them really and then trusting me, knowing what I do. And so if they then have a need for a photographer or somebody that they know needs a photographer, they'll generally ask me and call me. I think a a huge part of it is, is, uh, trusting me and loving my work.
0: You mentioned these breakfasts that you have with all these other, uh, British expats on, on on Tuesday. Yeah. Was that where the idea for this for this project you've been working on, California dreaming real life stories of Brits in l a came about, and how important was those breakfasts and the and the meeting of people that that happened there play in you being able to pull off the project?
1: The project, I think, was in my subconscious for many years, even when I was in London for ten years, I really couldn't let go of l a and I really wanted to be back here. But when I did come back here, it was a new country, no job to go to, new career, really, and rebuilding everything from scratch. So, having the Brits in LA Breakfast Club was a godsend. And I met a lot of people, and I'm just naturally curious, as I said earlier. So, I'd be asking loads of questions and, you know, what brought you here, almost to validate myself and why I came here and just one evening I thought that would be such a it would be such a great idea to combine my curiosity of my fellow Brits and why they came to LA with my photography so that's what I did and one evening I posted um onto Facebook onto the Brits in LA page and also my local Laurel Canyon Sort of residence page, and I I put a post up asking for people to contact me because I was planning on doing this book project featuring fellow Brits, getting their stories and photographing them. And the next morning I was inundated. I had so many, so many emails from people telling me their life stories. So I thought, oh, probably a good idea. Um, and that's so I began. And right at the beginning. Um, you know, it was the people that I'd I'd met through breakfast and BAFTA, but then soon it was this organic process, I suppose, and it kind of took on a life of its own, and different people would introduce me to other people. I'd be on a shoot, and then they'd recommend others. For example, I was um, taking Martin Lawrence Boulard's photograph. Um, he's a, an interior decorator, has his own show on... Bravo, called uh, Millionaire Decorators, I think. And he also has a show in England called um, Hollywood Me. And he was hugely helpful, and he recommended I contact Joan Griffith, the actor, gave me contact details, uh, Zandra Rhodes. And so each person would generally um, introduce me to people that they knew really well. So I kind of automatically... Had their trust and and credibility. They trusted that you know they trusted that I was going to do a good job because I was recommended by by their friend. I found that it had to be a personal recommendation if I was uh, trying to contact uh, a celebrity or somebody that was you know pretty well known. Going through an agent never worked because I wasn't paying them anything. This was a project that I wanted them to be part of and not having to exchange money. It was rather that they loved the project and wanted to be in it and support it.
0: I did a similar project some years ago where I was focusing on writers and poets of Southern California and I produced something like, Thirty-five different portraits within a very short period of time. I think it was it was less than a month. Wow! So I was I was on a tear. One, I mean, I was photographing every weekend, and one one Saturday, I think I photographed as many as five people in one day. It was exhausting, but it was really gratifying. <laughs> and I remember at first I was incredibly nervous. Yeah. About what I was taking on. Yeah, yeah. I hate and, but it. eventually, as I kept going, I sort of gained a, a, a real confidence in terms of what I was doing. And I also got to see myself improve as a, as a photographer as a result. of Because not only in terms of the images that I was making, but just what I needed to do in order to be able to pull something out from my subject, subjects. Because yeah. n- normally the shoots would be about 45 minutes, but you know there was one time I only had like 15 minutes. Yeah. And I'm wondering with all the, all the different people that you photographed, what kind of experiences along those lines have you had?
1: you know, I really relate to what you said. The photographs, the portraits that I took uh, for the for the book, I don't know that, it, that I would have taken that kind of uh, portrait if the book hadn't come about. It pushed me. It pushed me so much. Um, and also each portrait is so different. There isn't a pattern. I guess that's the point. I get to know each person as much as I could, um in the time given sometimes i wouldn't have very much time at all like you said it would only you know only be a few minutes other times i'd meet them a few times and get to know them get to know their background and we'd figure out what the shoot was going to be but each shoot was so different but a huge learning curve and it's the best thing i have ever done really how was would i have ended up in malibu state creek park on a cold january day with the Atherton twins from Cirque du Soleil balancing for me and me photographing that, kind of extraordinary. And I felt really privileged to meet everyone and get to know them, get their stories and, and take these, these portraits, documenting where they are and what they love about living here.
0: Did you find that that... People were so on board with the with the concept of the idea that they were willing to you know collaborate with you on these on these images and be as giving as they could be not only in terms of w- with their time but in terms of what you needed in order to really create a photograph that you'd be happy with
1: yeah very very much so um again the the shoot I was just talking about i didn't I didn't want to take the obvious photograph of them. In the theatre where they they had the the Cirque du Soleil show, I just had this vision of taking them out of context and into a beautiful location. And I knew about this rock pool in Malibu State Creek Park, and I thought that would just be the perfect combination and have them balancing there, which they obviously never done before. And they loved the idea and completely up for it. But it you know it meant hiking into the park, them um, using their one day off Monday uh, to spend time getting there and doing the shoot. You know, that wasn't a quick shoot. We had to figure out quite a lot and try, you know, they were trying different balancing positions until we got something that worked. But that was a, a pretty involved shoot and pretty mesmerizing to see see them in front of me balancing on a jagged rock and just hoping that they weren't going to fall. They weren't worried at all, but they did get very cold. If you've seen the picture, um, you'll remember that one twin is balancing on the shoulders of another. And so the the twin on the top got so cold, his legs went blue. So I did have to uh, help the colour along with that, but they never complained once.
0: And I appreciated the inclusion of of the video, well, in the video for your Kickstarter campaign. Oh, Indiegogo. That you showed from the shoot. Indiegogo, excuse me. It was it was really kind of neat to see a little bit behind the scenes in terms of what was what was happening there. Uh, would you say that that was the most challenging of the of the shoots, or is there another one where you you had a situation where you really were pressing yourself in terms of I don't know if this is working, and and I have to do something to really to make something something happened that I can come away with satisfied.
1: Yes. That, as you say, that, that was, it was the most unusual and the most challenging and has resulted in this sort of Lord of the Rings, otherworldly kind of image. Um, Another shoot I did really early on was at dusk in Santa Monica on the beach. And it featured um, a Tai Chi expert And the idea was that we would have um, the sword that he was using in this pose with L wire around it. So when the sun went down just enough, we would see the sword glow. And then the plan was for him to kind of sweep the sword from the left side of of, uh, the photograph over to the other in a perfect arc. So we had to do that a lot of a lot of times to get it right, and it ended up being a three second exposure. Me with my tripod in the sand, which I think still has sand in it. Uh, every time I use the, the tripod, I can hear the sand the sand in it, despite cleaning it. Um, but the resulting image is really unusual and pretty interesting. So you you see the lights in the background, you see the the pier and the lifeguard hut. And he pauses at the end of the move, so he's clear, but you see the trail of this kind of green light that the sword left.
0: I uh, still It's still on the topic of the book, and I'm just wondering if having the opportunity to meet all these people and photograph these people, did it give you an, uh, a different insight in what it means to be a Brit living in Los Angeles now?
1: It's a really good question, and there isn't an obvious answer because everyone is different, but the common thread is is that I found just a general positivity amongst the, the, the British people that have left Britain and, and had the strength of character to just give it a go in LA and follow their, their dreams. A general positivity and determination and tenacity and a belief in themselves to really follow their dreams, whatever those dreams may be. Here I found that to help them um, follow their passion or whatever that may be, people will ha- um, wear many different hats. So people may be um, doing a few different jobs as well as the, what their, their passion is, be it acting or painting or, or whatever. And that seems to be really common here that um, you know, you'll know, you find, this isn't just the British that are here, but generally in, in LA that um, you know, you'll find that you know the waiter or the person in Starbucks is really um, an actor or a director, and that's what they're wanting to do.
0: You know one of the projects that uh, that you have on your site that I when I immediately saw it, I said, "Oh, I got to ask her about this." <laughs> What's that? Yeah, and it's the uh, the Compton Cricket Club. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, "What?" <laughs> I said, "I got to hear the story oh. behind behind this. How did you find out about it?"
1: That's a great story. So the Compton Cricket Club was co-founded by Katie Haber, who I met through BAFTA, um, an amazing woman. She is a film producer and she found, as I say, she co-founded the Cricket Club in Compton, which does sound like an odd combination. But her vision was that the etiquette of cricket would spill over into their lives and give them purpose and help them get off the streets into good jobs and she's absolutely succeeded they have played all around the world they've played at lords they've met politicians um and it's still going uh she's a a huge inspiration also um what happened about a year or two ago was that nick compton who's a, a famous cricketer in england he was in new york and he had a message from the compton cricket club um just saying hello and uh, that they were just pointing out that his name compton uh, was the name of their cricket team because they're in compton mm-hmm. and so he actually flew out from new york to la he met katie and he trained the team for a day
0: oh wow
1: it was it was so incredible to see they were actually thrilled he's he's such a great guy um and, yeah, everyone had a had a brilliant time. They learned a lot. I took a load of photographs. And during that time, I photographed Katie for the book with the Compton Cricket Club team with her.
0: That's great. I'm, I'm so glad to have discovered that story.
1: I'm really glad you asked that. It, it is an amazing story. If you have a look online, you'll find lots of articles about them. She drives club. She's, she's what is behind it. She creates a lot of media. She's always raising funds so that they can uh, travel and, and play cricket in different countries. Uh, so she gets them great exposure. Yeah, have a look. There's a lot of information online. She's an amazing person.
0: You know, it's amazing how photography gives us entry into people's lives and some of the remarkable stories that we, we discover as a result.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've just, I just find it a huge, a huge privilege. It, it, it's almost like a, a special club, the photography, as you say, it gets you access to, to so many things, so many people, so many events that you wouldn't normally be exposed to. And that's what I love about it. And each person is so different. You've almost got to be a, a chameleon, you know, in all these different situations and adapt to whoever you're with.
0: Well, one of the things I, I you know, because I interview a lot of people who do personal projects because I have a strong affinity for them. I think it, it gives us a the truer sense of a photographer's work and passion than typically what we would find on, on their website where they're really really marketing themselves as to to magazines and and, and businesses. And I, I like it that you're taking it to the next step where you're not just relegating it to to your website, but you're actually producing a a book. Tell us about the story behind what you want the book to be, and how you're using Indiegogo to 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 fund its production.
1: Thank you. Um, I just really believe that the photographs and the stories um, they deserve to be in a beautiful coffee table book and not viewed in a digital form. Um, I think it's a completely different experience um, seeing photographs physically printed, and being in a book. And I, I owe it to everyone that is in this book, everyone that's uh, supported me throughout this project, which has been three almost three years, two and a half to three years now. I also want to get my work out there for people to enjoy it and see it. I am hoping that the book will be inspirational and interesting to or the people that read it and see the photographs and get a real sense of the stories behind uh, these people that they may have heard of, uh, may not have heard of. As I say, it's not a celebrity book. Um, It's a whole mixture of people from all different walks of life, different stories. And to, to see the photograph supported by the story, get a real sense of the person and think, well, yeah, I could follow, um, I could do this. I could follow my dream, whatever that happens to be. And maybe some of that will um, brush off on them and they will take a chance and follow what they really want to do.
0: Well, I'm really excited what you're, what you're doing with it. And I just wish you every success with it. I think it's, it's a worthy addition to the work that, that, that's out there.
1: Thank you. And so I didn't answer your question about the campaign. Um, I, recently went to England uh, for Christmas and New Year and I, I met up with Visit California in London and they absolutely love the book and they're going to be promoting it as part of their Dream Big campaign, which is absolutely wonderful. Also next year, uh, at the end of April, May, is uh, something called Brit Week, which happens every year. The chairman of Brit Week is featured in the book Um, Brit Week um, is at the end of April and beginning of May. It's two weeks actually. And it is two weeks of different events uh, focusing on British industry meeting California opportunity. And so I want to have the book ready for that for the end of April. And also the Visit California Dream Big campaign will be happening then too. So it's given me a bit of a kick to get the book ready. So the next step for me is to be raising the print costs through Indiegogo and to help that I've made a behind-the-scenes video, which is featured on there, just to give you an idea of what the book is about and see all the fun, well, some of the fun shoots and witness for yourself the Cirque du Soleil twins balancing and Ewan Griffith at Chateau Mormont with sunset boulevard in the background it's a really fun video and and i hope you'll enjoy it so on that site i am taking pre-orders for the book uh the price will be cheaper than uh, when the book actually comes out next year uh, you can also buy uh, some of the prints as well featured prints and i'm also offering photo shoots and workshops but yes, the reason is to raise the fifteen thousand dollars to get the book printed.
0: Well, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. It's 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 an exciting endeavor. I, I wish you every luck with it.
1: Thank you. It is, it's it's very, very exciting. And the book has actually just taken on a life of its own. And I I I love every minute of it. The book has, has been and still is a wonderful project and it just makes me wanna continue and and do more projects like this maybe uh, uh wider in california
0: well i'll be including links to the show notes for people to check not only your your site but also um the 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 campaign but
1: thank you thank you i appreciate that
0: my, my last question that i ask each guest is I, I i ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore on their own and it can be anyone someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered so who would that one photographer be and why?
1: Yeah a photographer that has really inspired me and I i took her I was lucky enough to take a workshop with her in London is um, Miss Aniela easy to find on the internet and um, I took a levitation workshop <laughs> In London, and uh, she has become this incredible fine art photographer, um, surreal fine art, I would say. Um, So she will do a lot of um, post-production on her images. The lighting's gorgeous. It's very elaborate, and it's storytelling. Um, I think she's hugely talented, Um, and if you get the chance to go on a workshop with her, well, I, I thoroughly recommend her check out miss aniela it's spelled a n i e l a and she's based in london and if i can mention one more she also introduced me to brooke shaden who's here in la and the two are similar and in that they do a lot of um post-production and the images are very surreal storytelling style of images
0: yeah, they're both great, and and they've both been on the show previously. So, oh my be, goodness! So I'll be including them uh, uh, and and with links on on the on uh, the show notes for people to listen to those episodes if they've if they've missed them. But where can people go to find out more about all your work and and also about the the book project?
1: There's several places. Um, I have my main photography website, which is Photography dot com. I've created another website for the book, which is called britsinlabook.com. There's also the Indiegogo campaign, which is easiest to find if you just go straight to indiegogo.com and in the search box type in California Dreaming and you'll see it under the photography section, um, California Dreaming, Real Life Stories of Brits in L.A., So I'd love you to go and check that out. And hopefully pre-order a book would be wonderful. Then there's also Facebook. Of course, you can find me under Dawn Bowery Photography. And there's also the Facebook page for the book, which is California Dreaming Book. I think
0: that's... Well, you, you gave us more than enough, right? There. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed having the chance to meet you and, and find out so much about your great work. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. You're a fantastic interviewer. Thank you very much for having me on the show.
0: Thank you for joining us. You can show your continued support for the work we do here at TCF by making donations of any amount using PayPal. By clicking on the links in the show notes or on the website, your contributions help us to improve the show. Each episode of The Candid Frame is brought to you with the contributions of our audio engineer, Martin Taylor, who you can find at the other martintaylor.com. Our theme music is by Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music is available via incompetech.com. And this is in X, and this is The Candid Frame.